0: all right hey guys welcome back to season two episode three with us Um, this is chelsea speaking and joining me today is jazz hi everyone um, today we're going to be talking a little more about like applying to grad school and a little bit about applying to jobs. Um, but whatchamacallit, we're mostly focusing on like grad school and the app process in general. Um, like I said in a, a couple seconds ago, I'm Chelsea, um, and always you can always refer to our episode zero if you kind of want to hear a little more about each um, each person who's involved in this podcast. Um, and also you kind of wanted to mention that in season 1 episode 3 um Louise and Maria they went a little deeper into um con- if you're contemplating whether you should do school or go just straight to the workforce after um you graduate from high school um so it- or even if like you know you're old enough at this point so if you feel like you're still a little lost I would recommend um looking into that. And so we're going to jump in to talk a little bit about, you know, whether if you've decided at this point, we're going to jump in into grad school. Um, and so yeah, so basically, um, I'm gonna jump straight right in. Um, there is a difference in grad school, depending on which degree you aim for. So for example, when you go to grad school, you're able to um, either go for your master's or your PhD, or even both. Um, there are timelines, you know, they're a little different. Um, depending like different degrees require different time at institutions so for example a master's degree is about one to three years it really depends on your own program Um, and so a master's degree is also designed to like deepen career-oriented knowledge and skills Um, and so a doctorate is different because it takes a lot longer it's around um, I want to say around five years is that so Jazz?
1: Yeah, I know it can also take up to maybe like seven years, just depending on Oof. like what your research is. <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely something to like really, really think about. Um, It's a huge commitment. hmm.
0: <laughs> and can you talk a little bit about what like a terminal degree is like with along with the doctorate?
1: Yeah, so essentially what terminal degree means is just that it's basically like the highest you can go. So, you know, kind of getting your doctorate is just as far as you can go. Mm -hmm. And your master's is not necessarily like your ticket into a Ph.D. program. You can Mm -hmm. go into a Ph.D. program with um, just your B.A. or your B.S. Um, So, yeah, that's basically just kind of what it means. Um, Just... I guess your last stop, you know, after seven years, I'm pretty sure you kind of want to be done.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Imagine if there's anything afterwards. Christ. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, But what should we call it? Yeah, thank you, Jazz, for that. Um, I was just going to mention what a doctorate is. So like Jazz said, it's also known as the terminal degree because it's kind of like the last stop in your education, really, or at least obtaining, like, degree-wise. And so doctorates are very, like, heavily research-based. Um, And they are designed to develop critical research, analytical, and writing skills in effort to fill the industry knowledge gap. So, for example, um, I know high schoolers might not be too, too familiar, but at least going to a research-based institution um, that I go to, like, research is very, very implemented in our own coursework. Would you say the same, Jazz, at UCR? Oh, definitely. I think
1: even just being, like, a social major, Mm -hmm. like, there's a lot of research-based, like, knowledge. Like, we take theory classes mm-hmm. and, like, things like that. And it's, like, also super um, encouraged for students to get involved with research, especially being at a research institution. Mm-hmm. And I think that's always, like, a scary thought for people. Yeah. Um. I know for me, I was, like, research, what the heck? Like, how am I going to do that? But mm-hmm. there's actually, like, so many avenues to, like, take and research isn't just, like, science right? Yeah. And,
0: um,
1: you know, essentially what you're doing in this doctorate program is you're creating new research. Mm. So that's why I think it takes so long, right? Because you're yeah. spending a lot of time on kind of creating something that probably doesn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of – think of, like, your doctorate as, like, a big project, right? Like, yeah. a really big, like, lengthy project.
0: <laughs> it's crazy. They do spend a lot of time – In their program. And I think I'll add to that because there's also like a mixed program that you're able to do. Um, And so, Jazz, can you talk a little bit more about what a mixed program is and like what it includes? Yeah.
1: So, um, a lot of times people think like, okay, I have to get my master's and then I have to get my PhD, Mm -hmm. or that has to go like hand in hand or whatever, or you have to do it separately. But there are like these conjoint programs where you can get your master's and your PhD in one program. Mm. Um, So, you know, like the first few years are kind of dedicated more to your master's and then like the following years are dedicated to, you know, your research and completing your doctorate and taking, you know, those qualifying exams and stuff like that.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So that's kind of basically like what students tend to go for when um, they graduate, you know, um, getting their undergrad Of course, there's no like one way. Also, like in high school, there's no one way to go to after you graduate. There's always options. A lot of people take gap years, for example. Um, And so that's a little bit about um, which degrees to look into. Um, But, you know, like Jazz, do you happen to know what the requirements are in order to be able to apply to grad school? Because, you know, just like in high school when we were applying to college, it's kind of the same, not the same process. But, you know, we kind of have to do the same application thing all over again when we're going into grad school. So what would you say are really, like, requirements or, like, what is a good thing to take in mind once you graduate to um, kind of have in the back of your mind so you'll be able to be applicable when you apply?
1: Yeah, so this is actually, like, super relevant to me right now. Um, I'm in the process of applying to, masters, like, a master's program. Um, <laughs> and, you know, subtle flags. Subtle flags. Um, and there are quite a few requirements and I would say like before I even get into the requirements it's like super important to know that a lot of these um, you know applications are super different right Mm -hmm. like at least for you know transfer students that are going into their undergrad or high school students going into undergrad like it's generally like one application for a lot of schools, right? Like the UC is like one application, you Mm -hmm. select all the UCs and it submits, right? Yeah. But for this process, it's like each program has a different application. So it could even be that, you know, they're like, um, just let's say if you are looking at one school and they have like a few programs that you're interested in, Mm -hmm. you would have to apply to one, but you would notice that even the programs within a school are really different or the Mm. program applications. And so I would say like, you know, um, just on the basis of like explaining maybe kind of like the first sort of like materials needed, if we're kind of going that way, um, Mm -hmm. is like, if you're thinking about the application, it's also really important to be mindful that they're expensive, right? So, um, you know, applying to undergrad was pretty expensive, too. And the applications tend to vary a little bit but they're about like 70 to 90 bucks Mm -hmm. and that's an average right so they could be a little bit cheaper they could be a little bit more expensive yeah um there are like fee waivers available for some schools um i know thankfully (laughs) But sometimes they'll incentivize it so they'll be like oh if you come to this workshop we'll give you like a fee waiver um but i know that there's some schools that are just kind of like yeah no like we don't really do that Mm. and um it's kind of the Cal States that don't really give fee waivers. Um, I think in their mindset, or at least when I called and I was like, yo, can I get a fee waiver? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um,
1: They were just kind of like, yeah, no, like we don't really do that considering how quote unquote cheap like Cal States tend to be Mm. compared to like other graduate programs. Um, So we do require that like the fee waivers paid. Mm. So I know that there's, like, a way around that, but it's, like, a super lengthy, like, bureaucratic process that I kind of uh. try to look into. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, that's kind of, like, money-wise. And then there's also, like, it's really it's really hard to not get confused, right? So some schools will say, okay, we have, like, the school application. So, like, mm-hmm. some Cal States will still use Cal State Apply. And for those of y'all that, you know, apply to Cal States for undergrad, this is kind of familiar. And then, like aside from the Cal State apply application they'll Mm -hmm. also have like um what's it called like a program application so like Ah. the program will have an application and then you also have to do the Cal State apply application so there's like two application processes sometimes right and then not just that but they're taking your money twice so it's really important to be mindful of like knowing where you want to go if Mm -hmm. money is kind of a concern for you right like you don't you, you want to make sure that this is a program you, f- like, for sure want to go to. So you're not mm-hmm. just, like, not just wasting your time and effort, but also just not wasting your money. Um,
0: yeah, and I hate to jump in, but I remember, I think you mentioned, not earlier in this podcast, but, you know, when we were talking, you mentioned a little bit about spreadsheets. And I just kind of wanted to ask if you can go a little into that, because I feel like that can be really, really helpful When students are like trying to plan out, you know, which schools and which programs they actually want to go to? Yeah, so I think something that's really helped me is um,
1: creating like a spreadsheet so that I can compare all the programs that Mm. I was looking into. And I think because, you know, they all have different requirements and they all have different like objectives and Mm -hmm. learning outcomes and things like that. And, you know, these are things that you really need to look at to make yeah. sure that that's where you want to go. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's not just about like, will they accept me? It's like, do they deserve me? Like, does, mm-hmm. this, does this align with the values that I have? Right. Exactly. So, you know, I think the spreadsheet for me, like it helped a lot. So like on the left, I'll put like each school and then mm-hmm. on the right, like I'll put different requirements that they have so I can compare. Right. Like. Some maybe like how to send transcripts for this school and how to send mm-hmm. transcripts for this school or even just like um, comparing entrance exams. Right. So like some will require like different entrance exams, kind of like the GRE, which is like the graduate record exam. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, like some of my programs required like the C-BEST, which is the. Oh, my gosh. What is it called? The that the California Basic Education <laughs> Skills Test Um so, you know like the the spreadsheet just really helps kind of organize your thoughts so mm-hmm. that you can come back to it later because it's a super it gets really confusing as you go along, especially mm-hmm. if you're applying to like really similar programs like I'm applying all to the same kind of programs, so oh, wow, it does get like really confusing, and that spreadsheet has saved my life
0: Oh, perfect, yeah, I'm sorry for interrupting you. I know you were talking a little more about uh, like each program and school like like, varies independ- like in regards to their programs or, you know, how, like, you mentioned that some schools you have to apply twice and pay twice, which, you know, it's not my cup of tea, but <laughs> to each school. But, yeah, I'm sorry. Do you want to kind of talk about, you know, like, the deadlines? Because I know deadlines is, like, a huge kind of, like, stress factor when applying.
1: Yeah, I think, like, what we were pretty... I guess lucky for undergrad is like most of our schools have the same deadline. All the Cal mm-hmm. states have the same deadline. All the UCs have the same deadline. And in grad school, like that's not the case. Like Ugh. I have applications literally due like next week, and then <gasps> I have applications due in January, in February, in March, oh my gosh. in May. So it definitely varies, and I think that's where the spreadsheet really comes in. Is just mm-hmm. to keep you on track and like keep your organized. I mean, keep your thoughts organized. Mm-hmm. Um, But it also does vary based off, like, what application cycle you're kind of going for. So, like, let's say you want to apply in spring. Well, your deadline will be, like, a lot different than someone who's applying to be admitted um, in fall. Uh And it's also really important to note that, like, some programs or a lot of the time schools won't let you apply to more than one program oh wow um and I think it's just to make sure that like you know what you're doing like mm-hmm. a lot of the times grad schools want to know that you know you want to be in this program right mm. because they get so competitive right like at, that's true at the graduate level like you know you're entering a cohort model most of the time mm. which is just like a small group like a handful of people in your graduating class I guess uh-huh like You know, so it kind of varies. Like, I have one program that's, like, only admitting 18 people. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, you know, I guess that one to two, like, those schools that don't let you apply to more than one program is because Mm -hmm. they want to make sure you want to be there. Got it. And if you're kind of second guessing, like, which program, like, I feel like, you know, it kind of gives them the idea, like, oh, this person maybe doesn't know what they want to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, yeah, I guess, like, that's kind of it for the like the application in general like okay um but I know like like I mentioned before there's like other things too that you know that you have to have prepared which is like your entrance exams and like again I said for me I'm taking I had to you know consider the GRE and the CBEST but there's also other entrance entrance exams you know I'm not a huge fan of like standardized testing but Mm -hmm. you know I guess this is the way that our education system kind of runs Yep, basically Um, I know it's really unfortunate, but we have like other entrance exams. So for y'all that want to go into law school, you know, there's like the law school admissions test. I have friends that are like currently like super stressed about that test. I know people that study for years before they (gasps) take the test. What? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, like it's a serious matter, obviously, because it's like a very big exam. But oh, my gosh. (laughs) yeah i know
1: and then there's like the graduate management admission test so like the gmat and this is more for like people like going into like business i believe mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you have like your cset and this is more for teachers like you know if you want to go into a teaching program this mm-hmm. is like the california subject examinations for teachers and i know i mentioned the cbest um it's just like the the california Basic education skills test. Just to, I think that one just tests to know if you have like an eleventh grade
0: knowledge.
1: (laughs) Um, Oh wow, yeah. But for someone like me that hasn't taken math since eleventh grade, oh god,
0: (laughs) there's math. That sounds so awful. (laughs) Yeah. Oh no. Um. But oh yeah, these tests. It sounds like there's a couple entrance exams, but would you say like there's a lot that, for example, like you won't require a test, or can you like? wave out of the test for example like if your grades good or like your grades for undergrad were good or if you have good recommenders like is there anything like any loopholes that you know of so
1: for me since I'm I was only like I only really needed to look into the GRE and the CBEST for my specific programs Mm -hmm. um luckily my programs um didn't require the GRE Oh, okay. uh, I was a little intentional about that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> as, <laughs>
0: you like, should, <laughs> as you should, as you should.
1: Yeah, but um, I couldn't avoid the CBEST. best. I was like, "How do I do this? Like, I, I really don't want to take this test." Mm-hmm. And um, the CBEST best kind of falls under something called um, just a basic skills requirement. And mm-hmm. what this essentially means is, again, like I said, like they just want to know that you have this understanding, right? And I did happen to find a loophole for this one. So, um, and I guess this would kind of fall into our little it would be a shame if you knew segment, right? Like, it would be (sighs) a shame if you knew that there are loopholes for some of these exams. I'm not going to say for all of them because, you know, like for the LSAT, Mm -hmm. I don't think you can avoid that one. But I know (laughs) at least for the C best. there's different ways to meet the the California Basic Skills requirement, and the mm-hmm. CBest is only one of the options. There are other options to kind of show that you um, completed this basic skills requirement. Which mm-hmm. is like, if you're a teacher, you know you have a teaching credential that it like that exempts you. But obviously, I'm not a teacher, so I don't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's like a few other ones, but the one that applied to me was going back and looking at my SAT and ACT scores. Wow, and I know. After I took those tests and I was, like, in undergrad, I never thought they would be relevant to me ever again. Yeah. But um, I was really wrong. And, like, I just happened to, like, stumble on this information. So it's kind of, like, crazy to think, like, how much this information isn't, like, openly out there or, like, Mm -hmm. openly accessible, you know? Yeah. Um, But I found that for the CBEST, like, if you get a 500 on your English um, portion and a uh, 550 on your math portion for the SAT like mm-hmm. you qualify like if you get at least those scores or above like you're exempt and wow. for your ACT it's like a 22 on um on English and a 23 on math and you're set and I was literally having like an existential crisis because <laughs> I was looking back at my SAT scores and I was literally like 10 points under <laughs> oh, and I was like no. oh my gosh no and then I was like, okay, let me think about my ACT scores. But I was, like, not feeling like – I was like, if I didn't make the a- the SAT scores, like, there's no way I made the ACT scores. Because, mm. you know, I was a fee waiver student, so I took the ACT just because it was free. Not really because I was going to study for it or anything. Uh-huh. But, I don't know, the stars aligned in my favor, uh-huh. and I – somehow my high school self like got a good grade or like a good score. So I'm exempt aye. from that exam. hey! <laughs> we love to see it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, again, like like I said, it's a little it's a little sad to see how like inaccessible this information is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you're thinking about like how do I prepare for other things. And I think another thing that, you know, it's not it's like a little hard to prepare for some of these things if you don't even know how to navigate the system. Right. Exactly. And you know, like when we're thinking about exams, it's not the only way to kind of um, evaluate you as a candidate for these programs. There's mm-hmm. other things too, that they consider really strongly. In fact, like, um, and I would say that's like the statement of purpose or the personal statement. Mm-hmm. These play like a really, really big role. Right. Cause it's basically insight on who you are. Like, yeah you look good on paper yeah you look good on scores your Mm -hmm. transcripts or whatever but like can you like put these thoughts together and really solidify like yourself and I think the whole point of like including like things like your GPA and your test scores and a personal statement or statement of purpose is to kind of get this holistic view Mm -hmm. of you as a student or as a person and so when we're thinking about you know your your statement of purpose or your personal statement um It's kind of like just an essay, right? Just Mm -hmm. kind of what it sounds like. And, you know, it's roughly about two to five pages. I have some that'll say like, okay, you have three questions you need to answer and you get two pages each.
0: Mm. Or
1: I have other ones that's like super loaded questions. And then they're like, you have four pages to do it. And I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) that's not possible. Like, But, you know, you got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And there is a bit of a difference between a statement of purpose and a personal statement. Um, And it's just how you kind of, like, approach this essay, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, A statement of purpose is kind of, like, why you want to do this, why you want to go into this program. You know, what are, like, give us a little bit of insight on your background to tell us why you want to do these things. Yeah. And your personal statement is more so, like, the approach of, like, um you know, just personal things that apply to you and then kind of tying it into your future, right? Mm-hmm. Or this program. So I know it sounds super similar, but like, it, I guess there's an emphasis on different areas, right? So like, yeah, you know, it's just being really intentional. And also like your questions are going to give you like a really good idea of like what direction you should be going into. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's just essentially what this, this essay portion is is just to see if you fit into the program, so you know yeah. again, like I said before, they want to make sure that you know you're going into a program that you're hundred percent sure about, yeah, and you know it kind of is like a sample for you know your writing abilities because you know in grad school like you you kind of need to have like these writing skills, and this will be kind of like an indicator of that
0: mm-hmm.
1: um. And I know some schools kind of have, like, an interview process. So this is kind of, like, the first step to that interview, right? Like, it's just telling them all about you. Mm -hmm. And it could make a huge difference between getting accepted and getting rejected. And so, Mm -hmm. like, it's really important that people, like, take this opportunity to really sell themselves. And I know, like, Mm -hmm. especially for me, like, as a first-gen, like, woman of color, you know, low-income student, Mm -hmm. like, it's really hard to, like, just brag about myself. Like, we've never... You know, been told like mm-hmm. here brag about yourself and you know so that does get a little difficult but this is not the place to be humble right like mm-hmm. this is the place to really really sell yourself
0: tell them you tell them
1: <laughs> yeah and you know um aside from these essays sometimes schools will ask for like a writing sample and I guess it's just more so like it's not required for like all departments or all careers mm-hmm. um I personally don't have any that ask for like a writing sample but I guess it's just like to get some insight on like your writing style or your writing abilities. Like mm-hmm. I said, grad school, like you kind of have to have these skills. Um, so they'll ask maybe like a supplemental question or they'll just ask, like, give us a sample of your best writing or something like that. Got it. Yeah.
0: God, how much pressure and like there's some times where at least as an undergraduate in my second year, I just write what I write, I don't look back and I submit. Honestly, (laughs) I don't recommend it, but it's the reality that I feel like a lot of students live up to. But it's good that you remind us, you know, like either towards the end of our career or at least at some point, we shouldn't just write to write, you know, we should write to have quality and to be able to kind of show off, you know, like, hey, I can write a good paper. Or this is who I am. Yeah, Um, definitely. But what you would call it? Yeah, I mean, from what you've made it sound like, um, obviously it's not the same whatsoever as the undergraduate application. But there are some like underlying factors that I felt, you know, like won't be as difficult being that we already survived, uh, if, if, (laughs) if you will. We survived the undergrad application. So, you know, I think it's really important that we also kind of remember that even if they're different, like it's always something that is we're going to be able to get over or there's always going to be at least some resource to help us to not feel like alone. And so I think one thing that at least took me a while or that I didn't really talk about as an undergraduate was like letters of recommendation. And so Mm -hmm. that affects you when you're in applying for grad school. Right. So how what did you do or kind of what was your process when you were applying being that once you're in college at least like sometimes it can seem a little hard to like connect with your professors or like even TAs or because you know letters of rec don't have to be necessarily from like instructors but what was kind of your approach because that's something that I feel is a little ominous to me
1: yeah so this process I guess of the letters of recommendation is a little intimidating. I'm not going to lie. Like, I think um, it was, like, I always thought, like, oh, my gosh, letters of recommendation, like, that's so far. Like, I won't. I'm not going to worry about that right now. Mm -hmm. And then, like, you know, time, especially in a quarter system, time goes by so fast. Like, so, so fast. You blink and, like, you're graduating. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, letters of recommendation, I would say is a process that starts – way before you even start applying because you need to like take time to kind of like build these relationships with the people that you you want to ask right yeah I know that there's a lot of professors that have told me that they've had experiences that like students like just take one class with them and then at the end of the quarter or even like a year or two later when they're planning to graduate and planning to apply to grad school they come Mm -hmm. up and they're like hey um I was in your class can I get a letter of recommendation and the professors are like bro I don't even know you but I guess (laughs) you know like so like I said like this is a process that starts way before you want to make sure Mm -hmm. that you have you know a relationship with the person that's writing you a letter of recommendation so that they can really speak to your ability to be Mm -hmm. in this program like you don't want them to just say yeah they were a good student they turned things in on time they're responsible like a very generic letter of recommendation like your letter of recommendation is supposed to like support like everything that you're basically like selling yourself in your statement of purpose or personal mm-hmm. right? It's supposed to like really support that and be like a supplement to that. But if your professor or the person writing your letter of recommendation can just speak to your grades and like turning in homework on time, like
0: mm-hmm.
1: nah, like you need a, <laughs> I don't know, you got to step up that game, right? And I think a, something that, I don't remember who told me this, but I went to like a letter of recommendation workshop
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they said like, you want to be able to ask, can you write me a strong letter of recommendation? Because mm. anyone can write you a letter of recommendation. Yeah. Right? But You want to make sure that this person can write you a strong letter of recommendation. And that has a lot to do with the relationship that you have with them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for those of y'all that are first year, second years, you know, maybe this is something you can start thinking about, right? Yeah. And, you know, I think we have a lot of pressure to think that our letters of recommendation have to come from professors, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, like, they'll ask, like, you know your employer if your employer can really speak to your abilities and things like that and if it's relevant you know to your to the program you're going into maybe it's in your best interest to ask your employer right so mm-hmm. for me i asked one of my professors and i asked um one of my bosses and these are like two different like worlds that they can really like speak to on my behalf right like mm-hmm. my professor can speak to you know my i guess like my identity as a student and just mm-hmm. like things like that and then my boss can really speak to my work ethic like all the community work that we do and things like that so yeah it's it's about just being intentional of like who can write you a strong letter of recommendation
0: yeah I think that's like the strong emphasis is really really important because yeah literally anyone like you mentioned that professor that told you like he could write he would write for students that he didn't even know you know he would just get it done um but, you know, like I think I mentioned earlier, I'm not sure if I did, but for example, I know there are always different circumstances, like when once you graduate or bef- even before you graduate, like, you know, life can be a little unexpected or you can even plan um, your life af- before you graduate. So, for example, with me, as of recently, I do want to go to graduate school, being that um, my career path does need that, like I would need my master's degree at least. Um, But, you know, like, I feel like with this whole pandemic and having to move back and forth, like between dorms and like my house, like, I just kind of want to break after school, you know, so at least with me, I've kind of taken into consideration like a gap year. So how can a gap year like affect me when I'm applying to school because like, you know, like, it'll be a whole year where. I don't really have interactions with professors let's say or if I'm doing a job like yeah I can have more interaction with my boss and that'll be great um but you know where could I get my other letters of rec because that's something that I feel like overwhelms me and if there's anyone out there that also kind of wants to take a gap year but is unsure um what would you kind of recommend being that you know it's a whole year of like no communication or it's a year where you don't really interact
1: yeah that's a really good question um So I was kind of on the same boat as you about Mm -hmm. a year ago. I was like, "Mm, grad school, like, I know I need to go, but am I ready to go? Like, Mm -hmm. this is what, like, you're in K through 12 for, like, 13 years and then Mm -hmm. another four years of undergrad. I was like, that's a lot of school, like, Mm -hmm. my brain, she's a little (laughs) tired, you know? (laughs) So, you know, it's something that I was really, like, strongly considering. And I think for anyone that has any doubt, like, of what program they want to go into, you know, it's okay to take time. I think mm-hmm. I kind of mentioned this in a previous episode, um, the timeless tips from last season, mm-hmm. that it's okay to not know these things. So take your time, you know, really think about think about things, think things through. There's always a workaround, like any path that you want to take, right? Yeah. And like you said, like, how do you kind of secure those like letters of recommendation if you take these gap years and you don't have interactions with your professors for let's say a year? Um, something that I really recommend that, you know, people start doing is kind of just if you know that you're going to take a gap year, maybe let your professor know in that last year that Mm. you're in your undergrad and just kind of be like, hey, you know, I am thinking of going to grad school, Mm -hmm. but just not yet. Right. I am thinking about applying in maybe a year or whatever. And like that kind of keeps them on your radar, on their radar. Mm. Like they'll be like, okay, this student, you know, they're they're taking initiative like they have a plan. And even though like a gap year is like in their that's part of the plan, right,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so that's kind of something that students can really like can do in their last year is just kind of make sure that they make that connection, and mm-hmm. then just not go a whole year without talking to them. Maybe check in through email, just be like, "Hey, you know, what are you up to? This is kind of what I'm up to. Maybe send an updated version of your resume if mm-hmm. you've kind of gotten involved in new things um. Mm. Yeah, but I think this kind of can get difficult for people that take multiple gap years, right? Like, yeah. so what happens if, you know, you go into the workforce and, like, you've been in the workforce for, I don't know, maybe, like, 10 plus years. Like, Mm -hmm. what do you do then? Well, that's where the the employers come in, right? So, like, it doesn't always have to be a faculty member. It can be someone who can really speak to your abilities to Mm -hmm. just, I don't know, just kind of show you off, right? Like, you Mm -hmm. just want someone who can, again, write you a strong letter of recommendation exactly
0: (laughs) exactly emphasis on the strong yes um but yeah i thank you for that because honestly that's something i feel like not everyone talks about or i feel like gap year can be followed by a sort of like negative stigma yeah um especially i know it's it was i feel like a little stronger when we were going into undergrad um but definitely i feel like anytime people like deviate from like the set plant quote unquote um, yeah, there's backlash faced with it. But yeah, I mean, I also kind of want to thank you for taking a little more initiative on this episode. Um, I know, like, yeah. <laughs> like you said, like you're you went through this, you're still going through it. Um, I'm my second year, but I feel like this has been really, really interesting to talk about. And of course, like create incentive for students. Um, But going back as to kind of like what you're we talking about, um, aside from like being asked to provide like writings, like the letters of recommendation, the writing samples, anything that you mentioned up until now, um, to kind of display your capabilities as a student, like as a person that wants to be part of any program, you know, um, I've heard that like resumes and CVs, even though I'm not too familiar with CVs, are required as well when you're applying. Um, t- it's kind of also like when you're applying to work. Um, But you know, like, is that kind of the case when you're applying to graduate school like do you need your resume do you need the cv kind of thing or is it just kind of like not optional but per program kind of basis
1: yeah definitely it's like super relevant to the application process oh wow it it basically like just speaks on your behalf of like experience they just want to know like what your background is what Mm -hmm. your experience is and like you know that doesn't really go on your transcript and yeah how much of that can you fit into your personal statement right Mm. so I think this is just like a big opportunity to kind of give some insight on like what experiences you have.
0: Yeah. So what would you say is like the biggest difference between like the resume and the CV? Because I've done my resume, you know, for like any like any group that I wanted to join or anything that required it like a job. But I've never really heard of this CV. Like, do you kind of know <laughs> what it is?
1: Yeah. So for anyone that's kind of like, what the heck is that? Like, what is a CV like? I was on the same boat, like, don't worry, it's okay, like, I mean, I, okay, personally, I'm gonna let y'all in on a little secret, I still don't have a CV, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess it just kind of depends what your program is asking for, and that's where that spreadsheet comes in, right? So you can make mm-hmm. sure, like, let me write down, like, which school requires a resume and which one re- requires a CV. And mm-hmm. CV is, like it's like a fancy word. I don't know how to say it, but we'll just keep it to CV. <laughs> and I guess like the biggest difference is like your CV is like an academic resume. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, think of just like your resume, you think of like work, work experience, volunteer work, like things like that. Right. Yeah. But your CV is more so like your academic side. So usually like a resume is like viewed by like an employer or whatever Mm -hmm. or like that's kind of what you think right and then your cv is more so for like an academic audience so like i don't know maybe if you're going into research like this is what they're gonna ask you Ah. um and i know like a lot of grad programs kind of like are starting to shift towards like the cv um a little bit more Hmm. and it just kind of speaks to who you are as a scholar, maybe if you have, like, any projects that you've worked on, any presentations that you've done, like, mm-hmm. this is kind of where it goes. Um, if you have publications, which is, like, a really big thing for undergraduates, like, if you've had any publications as an undergrad, definitely, like, yeah. you want to you wanna emphasize that. You want to flex and, it. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, for sure.
1: Like, you definitely want to flex that. And, I mean, that can kind of go on your resume, right? But I guess resume just has more of a, focus on like your professional experiences mm-hmm. and then like i would say like the biggest difference is i don't know i've always heard like your resume like keep it to one page like there's a lot of pressure yeah. to let this fit everything and you know um or like one to two pages mm-hmm. but like your cv there's r- no real maximum oh wow because um, again it's kind of like just your your academic track record so you know how you have a transcript for like your grades like mm-hmm. this is kind of like your cv like it's like a transcript for like your academic achievements, I guess. Ah. And I mean, if you have a bunch of achievements, like there's no reason for you like to cut them off and just meet a page mark. Right. So yeah, I guess that's like the biggest difference. Mm. Um, It just speaks on, I guess, like your experiences in and out of like the classroom and things like that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you know, like, would you say that like a CV might help you more, for example, if like, for programs like like you mentioned earlier some don't have interviews but some do like do you feel like either like this well not either or but you feel like both of them at least like help you be able to kind of like outline and like write down your achievements so when you go into that interview you're not just like splurging or you're not like pulling all your achievements out of your excuse my language out of your ass yeah, yeah. it definitely it, it definitely would
1: help i think like for those programs that do have an interview process like it'll be easier to kind of reference like what you talk about in your in your cv or your resume mm-hmm. right because in your head it's like okay they reviewed my application they know what my essay is about they know what my resume is about so yeah. like you don't have to dedicate so much time on saying like absolutely everything and like word vomiting like all your experiences mm-hmm. you can maybe have like there's not so much pressure and you can maybe like. um just focus on, like, those two big ones or, like, you know, like, Mm -hmm. really go into depth about, like, certain experiences. Yeah. So I do think, like, again, like, everything kind of plays its part, right? So Mm -hmm. I think, think of it this way. Like, if you have, like, okay, no, I'm not, I can't do math, but let's (laughs) let's try. So, like, think of, like, you have, like, a hundred percent, like, pie or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. And you have, like, all these different, like percentages of different things so if you have let's say like the five um five requirements right so Mm -hmm. like they'll each be what 20 percent of this pie yeah whatever yes yes (laughs) right so they all play a part in creating the whole so let's say if you have I don't know like to make my math easier like two requirements then they will be 50 percent so I guess like what I'm trying to say is like the weight of different things is shifted based mm. off of like what is required. So let's say you don't have an interview in your program. Well, then mm-hmm. that that weight is shifted to kind of, um, aclo- acoplar. Like I don't know if you know English. Like I would just say um, maybe like
0: accommodate or like level it out. Yes,
1: yes, 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 yes. Queen. Bilingual teams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I guess think of it that way, like things just kind of get leveled out, things just kind of get shifted. And that's why it's really important to take all of these things really seriously. Like don't think that they won't look at your statement of purpose, like Mm -hmm. that definitely takes some time to write that or, you know, don't just BS your resume or your CV, like they all play an important role in making the difference between getting accepted and getting rejected.
0: Mm -hmm. Right? I think that kind of just also goes to play like, Oh, for example, like for undergrad, like I remember like the activities portion, like that was kind of the last thing I had to worry about. And I was really ready to just BS it and just write what I wanted. But I remember, for example, like Flores, he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I just want to get this done. Like everything else is perfect. (laughs) They're not going to notice this. And he's like. They're gonna notice, and sure enough they fu- oh excuse my language, they freaking <laughs> noticed like my activities really really are like the wording especially are what helped me, so I think that that sounds a little familiar um when it comes to undergrad- i mean applying again once you're a graduate, no
1: yeah, definitely, and I know like you mentioned before like you know sometimes you just kind of just let the the brain your your brain kind of flow to write your paper or whatever Mm -hmm. i literally saw this meme like i think yesterday and it was like does anybody else like black out and just let like the spirit of academia write your essay (laughs) (laughs) and and, like i've definitely been there like i'm not gonna lie but that is not what you want to do for your statement of purpose oh yeah like don't just black out and write a paper like you really want to take time it some people dedicate like months to writing this essay oh wow So, and, you know, like, if you don't dedicate months, don't feel, like, pressure. There's no pressure, Mm -hmm. right? Like, if you start, like, a a little, like, later than somebody else, like, again, don't compare yourself to other Mm -hmm. people's process because everybody has a different process. Everybody has different abilities. Everybody has different strengths. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just work in favor of your strengths and do what, you know, you know is best for you. Mm -hmm. And I guess, like, the one thing I can really, like, strongly recommend is like get a mentor like find people connect with people like Mm -hmm. even if let's say you don't find a mentor like find other friends that are like applying to grad school with you like this is such a exhausting like mentally exhausting process like Mm -hmm. I cannot emphasize like how much like this has really like played with my head right especially like I Mm -hmm. mentioned before like as a low income student woman of color like first generation like yeah this impo- like the imposter syndrome like it just reaches completely new new levels and mm-hmm. it's really important to be mindful of that and find community right like mm. you know find mentors that can kind of speak on your behalf or connect connect with your identity and tell you like i f- i felt those things but this is how i navigated it mm-hmm. because this process like i said is like really draining and like it's not one that should be like navigate it alone.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: you know, if you use social media, there's like really cool like Instagrams of like I, women of color in like PhD programs giving tips. Oh, I she... think there's like uh Academic Latinas or oh! something like that. Like I don't know. But you know, there's community. There's other people that feel like this. So definitely mm-hmm. connect with those folks. Like they they make mentorship programs. I have a friend that entered like A mentorship program through an Instagram and she got connected with a student in like a Cal State I think it's Cal State Monterey and Monterey Bay and like they don't know each other but she's helped her so much Uh so it's all about getting connected right
0: yeah definitely like creating that little network where not only just for like academics like for your own like mental well-being as well as like physical and just like having health overall yeah Yeah. And I hate to disrupt this conversation because I know we were getting to like, you know, the interesting parts of the application. But I do kind of want to bring up a little bit more before um, about grad school and all that before we jump a little into about like jobs and applications for that being that, you know, it's not too, too different from you know like either like a grant well yeah there are different applications but applications nonetheless um, yeah so you know like i feel like a, su- a touchy subject sometimes at least for some students and it was for me for a long time was like funding and paying for school because you know like school is expensive mm-hmm. and you can literally be you know sometimes like in the fast that you can write like oh like my family is going through this and they're like here's five dollars <laughs> um so sometimes it can feel like you know even the systems that we have in play can feel like they're not even helping us but you know yeah what would you say is like the biggest difference in funding or like having to go through that whole application thing once you apply for undergraduate co- I mean for a graduate because I want to say like they it would you would think that they're kind of the same but they are a little different no yeah so I think the biggest
1: difference is like how expensive graduate school is like <sighs> you know, like I mentioned before, the applications themselves, like, you're spending, you could be spending, like, 120 per application, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not just that, but, like, the exams, the exams are, like, over $100 to take, like, <gasps> you know, they're super expensive, and not just that, like, you also got to think about test prep, like, do I pay mm-hmm. for a textbook, do I pay for services, do I pay for, progr- like, um. I guess like tutorial assistance and things like that. So Yeah. I think, you know, and that kind of shows like how our system works, right? Like these institutions were not made to support low income students. They're mm-hmm. super gate kept like processes, right? So but I really wanna emphasize that there's resources. Yeah. Um, I know that graduate school, so when we're thinking about masters programs, like they're not as funded. So this is more like an out-of-pocket kind of education, mm-hmm. and your doctorate programs, like usually, it's funded. So you know that's where huh. that's where like your TAs kind of come into play, right? Like ah, oh. they're doing their doctorate programs and uh-huh. they're kind of getting paid for their services as a TA. They can get a TA ship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess like the biggest differences is like for masters, there's not so much funding and like financial support, and for your PhD like, there's, I would say, like, a lot more support.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, But yeah, like I said, like, there's resources, right? Like you can, you know, look for scholarships, look for fellowships, look for grants. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, I think a big one that like a lot of people don't really think about is like still apply to FAFSA, you know, (laughs) like, yeah. um, And the way that it can help is like FAFSA probably won't give you like, a lot of free money, if any, Mm -hmm. but they'll give you loans. And a lot of these times, these loans are with the understanding that you're a student. So, mm. you know, the interest rates might be really low compared to, like, a private loan.
0: Yeah, um, like subsidized loans versus unsubsidized.
1: Yeah. So, you know, let's say, like, you don't need to take out these loans or whatever. And um, you still want to apply to FAFSA. Like, mm mm-hmm. Things happen. Life happens. You never know like when you'll need those loans. And when the time if the time comes where you find yourself and you need to take a loan out, Mm -hmm. it's better to have access to those student like catered loans than those private loans that are literally going to like rip you a new one with like those interest rates. Right. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So I think that's like my best advice is like, don't forget about FAFSA.
0: No. Yeah, literally. And also, I think like I because, for example, I had no idea about the loans because like obviously they might not be giving you a lot of money. They always offer the loans, though. Like I remember like the past couple of FAFSA, um, FAFSAs that I filled out when I would get my financial aid packet from my school. For example, it was always like, here is your unsubsidized loan. And I was like, I don't want it, but maybe later (laughs) I'll want it. Yeah, but I think I kind of wanted to put a little more emphasis to how you mentioned the other forms of being able to fund for your education. Um, so, for example, like, if anything, a lot of these also apply to your undergrad. So if you feel that you're also struggling to pay for your undergrad degree, um, you can definitely tune in to take these um, tips into account. So just how Jazz mentioned FAFSA, of course. Um, For graduate school, with master's, it might be a little different, um, but um, for PhDs, they might give you a little more funding, and if that's a little confusing, the way that I saw it, at least, um, was that for PhD, like, you're being paid to give out new information, like, a country, if anything, or any field kind of, like, thrives off of new information, you know, like, um, so that's why, in a sense, they pay them. Um, I still think it's unfair because I feel like any investment in your education should be helped or you know you should get at least some funding but you know these are the unfortunate circumstances but that's kind of just a little breakdown as to why if anyone was confused um I kind of wanted to go back into like scholarships grants fellowships um and um touch up the slightest bit on loans because jazz you did a great job touching on them um so (laughs) for scholarships um at least, Jaws, like, your experience when applying to... Did you apply to any scholarships going into, like, graduate school? Um, So, I'm still in the process, actually. Okay. And I know,
1: like, some programs, what they'll do is, like, they'll tell you, like, oh, we have um scholarships that are specific to this program. Here's mm-hmm. the application. So, it's, like, another application process. Oh,
0: God. Or
1: they'll say, like, we'll use your admissions application. Mm-hmm. And, like, based off that, we'll see if, like, you kind of fit the I guess the needs of like the eligibility for the scholarship, and if uh-huh. you do, then we'll just use your scho- your your appli- like your school application for the scholarship. God, that makes sense? Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. That makes so much more sense because like that you would say that's more kind of like an on campus like scholarship. Like for example, yeah. like your school is offering or the program is at least like collaborating with the school. Hmm. Yeah. So then I think that's also like a great great way to get scholarships because you know you don't have to like go out of your way to find them or you don't have to like go on Google or anything. Um, But, you know, sometimes institutions might not have the best scholarships or, you know, you might not be applicable. So I think a great way to also find another scholarship would be like external scholarships. I remember um, we've gone over this in the past couple episodes. I don't entirely remember which episode it was from last season, but we went over a little bit more about like external scholarships Um, And since I can't remember off the top of my head, I'll make sure to um, put it in the description just in case anyone wants to reference that. Um, But also, for example, like grants is considered kind of like free money. Sometimes you get it from through your FAFSA, for example, like your um, school will give you these grants based on your income and all that. It might change, of course, like depending on which degree you're getting. But overall, I think what we kind of want to get out there is that, you know, like education is like jazz said like gatekept um for centuries and decades like students like um like jazz also like you know like a first generation like woman of color they weren't really helped to get into institutions and you might identify with this form of identity or not and you might have other identities that have also been kind of like gatekept from college but you know like at the end of the day like if you really feel that you have this drive and need to like expand your education and expand yourself in order to help others like definitely graduate school or p or you know getting your phd or a mixture can definitely be a great investment and you know like there's it might not be the best way to like you might not fund your education the best way you want it to but at the end of the day um there are resources that are there to help you and be able to make this at least accessible to one point point. and um is there anything else that you kind of want to add to that jeff yeah, I think, like, you definitely,
1: like, explained it very beautifully. And, you know, again, like, I think we've mentioned this in previous episodes. Like, it's okay to take those gap years if you need money, right? Like, that's where, mm-hmm. like, getting a job kind of comes into play. You know, like, you yeah. can maybe take those few gap years to, like, get some experience. And not just that, like, make sure that the experience you're getting is also paying you, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I know the job application, like the job process is an application in and of itself, but it kind of applies to kind of what we covered already, right? So you have like your yeah. interview, you have your resume portion, um, you know, sometimes they do ask for your transcripts, depending on what kind of field you go into. But essentially, huh. like it ties into the same, right? Like, yeah, you know, when you're taking the, when you're in that interview process, like both for this for a school and for a job, like. You want to know what the program is about or what this job is about, like the job description. Mm-hmm. You want to know about your position in this program or in this job, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's all about, it's kind of the same process, but like a little bit different, right? Like your job application mm-hmm. process is probably going to not be so intense. um, But, you know, it's taking the same steps, right? And mm-hmm. for those of y'all that are thinking like, yeah, you know, getting a job for me is like, a little bit more realistic before going to graduate school or I don't want mm-hmm. to go to graduate school, right? Like, I already did my BA. That's enough. Like,
0: school is mm-hmm. traumatizing.
1: Like, <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> and <laughs> there's, there's ways to help you with that, right? Like, there's a bunch of apps now. Like, we're super lucky to be living in a time of, like, booming technology, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, there's things like Glassdoor or, like, really making your LinkedIn, like, look real nice, real professional. Um, there's, like, Indeed, um and then there's mm-hmm. like also like the regular applications. Like, you know, um I've had jobs where I just like fill out an application and that's like the application from the actual place, right? So mm-hmm. um it's super it's super chill, I would think, like compared to like applying to graduate school. Yeah. But it does have its its challenges, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you still have like a pool of like competitors and things like that. So it's just about really, like, finalizing that resume. Make it look real good. Like, make mm-hmm. yourself stand out and make yourself pop during those interviews. I know there's, like, group interviews, right? Those could be a little, like, difficult to navigate. Um, but I think, like, what makes the difference for people, like, applying to jobs, too, could be also, like, your follow-up. Mm. So, you know, do you just apply and submit and just forget about it until they call you? Uh-huh. Or do you take the initiative? And are you like, did you submit your application last week? And then you call and you're like, hey, like, you know, I submitted my application, like, blah, 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 when will I hear back? I don't know, obviously, Mm -hmm. make it sound more professional. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I think those are kind of some tips that kind of could, I guess, help your application process when it comes to like looking for a job.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think if anything, what with my experience, for example, like what I'd like to add is kind of just like, present yourself in a great way in a sense where like when you speak to like the boss or the manager you know like you're always presenting yourself like you're always having to present yourself so might as well be able to at least like find a way in which you feel genuine to yourself and genuine to what you want to apply for um, without kind of feeling like you have to add this extra persona that you feel doesn't reflect you or you feel like you're just kind of like kissing ass at work before you even get the job which honestly I think kiss ass is like an ugly word if anything I think it's someone who's like committed and you know sometimes they can be annoying to other people but they know what they want and you know people being jealous of them so if you Mm want to be a quote-unquote kiss ass hey go for it who cares what people think
1: yeah and like you said like it it all comes full circle right like Mm -hmm. if you're applying for a job and you're doing, I guess, like you're going into the workforce before going into more education, if that's the case for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, who knows? Maybe this employer could write your letter of rec someday. Mm-hmm. So everything kind of comes full circle. I think it's just the the process seems, I guess, the process in general seems a, a lot more daunting than it is. I yeah. think once you talk it through and you're like, okay. These are the requirements. This is what I got to get done. It makes things a lot more realistic, especially Mm -hmm. if you're like a first generation student and you don't kind of know the process like you can. It's really easy to think like this process is going to be really hard. Like, I don't know how to approach it. Like, just start start with the easiest thing. And the easiest thing is like probably just exploring a program or just figuring out what you want to do or, Mm -hmm. you know, just writing your name on the spreadsheet.
0: Like, I don't know, start with whatever is easiest.
1: What's important is just starting. Exactly.
0: And before we close up, I kind of wanted to add one little more detail that you mentioned. Um, I remember, well, a couple seconds ago, you said how, you know, like, you might get a better letter of recommendation if you go into the work field for us. Also, I think I remember um, one of my teaching assistants this quarter, she mentioned how she was able to have her job kind of like sponsor or help her out with getting her you know, uh, master's degree, I believe to oh, begin wow. with, because, you know, for example, I it, I think it really depends on the job, but, and also like what position you're working for, which field, but she mentioned how she got sponsored by her job to get a higher education. So that can also also definitely be like a different kind of path that people might take, you know, you can end up doing more research on like institutions, Uh, like that for work and then see like their history if they have any help with that um but you know that's just a little side note of course but yeah I did think did I feel that we kind of touched up on everything is there anything else that you want to mention Jazz before we close off
1: no I think like we kind of covered the basics right like obviously there's a lot more things that go into it but Uh there will be more opportunity to go into depth on these things and like you know like Chelsea said, like there's different ways to fund, there's different ways to do like all these different things. And like mm-hmm. I do want to point out, like, you know, you you touched on this the sponsorship program. Like that's super cool. I didn't know I didn't know about that. But um I think we will be going into a little bit more detail in our next episode, the timeless tips on financial literacy. So mm-hmm. definitely stay tuned for that if you know you need to talk about the monies. So dinero. <laughs> Yeah. So Definitely stay tuned and thank you for everyone for joining us today. I hope you learned something. Mm -hmm. Same
0: here. And also, if you can, definitely please give us a little insight with um, the Google form. You know, if you have anything that definitely you feel we can improve on or you'd like for us to talk on, definitely go ahead and voice your opinion. We're always more than happy to listen to what you guys want to hear. And follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. All right, guys. Have a good one. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Music